Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Thank you for joining us this Saturday morning. I'm Jason Kong alongside Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm still here. Doing You're good. still here. <laughs> That's good to hear, Bill. Yeah, man. Well, Bill, uh, let's let's jump right into it. A, a couple weeks ago, we had a program discussing the levels of care, mm-hmm. and where we started with that program was everyone really wants to stay at home. You know, well, well I, you know. It, that is the knee-jerk uh, reaction that, uh, that most folks have. And, and actually, I think it, uh, uh, there's a lot of variables out there. But for most of us, it's like, yes, we would like to stay as independent as possible. Sure. Uh, you know, we want to stay in control. You know, that that's one of the, uh, the biggest uh, things about, what we try to accomplish in our law practice is helping people to stay independent, stay control, in control as long as possible, and, and to have the documents in place uh, where you select the people that you trust to be able to take charge uh, in the event that you lose control. I mean, and, and I don't, I mean that in a sense that you get to a point where either you can't uh, manage your own affairs anymore or you don't want to. <laughs> Sometimes it's, it could be either. But the key is that you have someone that you absolutely trust who can, uh, who is willing to uh, basically help you uh, that is hopefully is uh, and more often than not it, it starts with your spouse and then hopefully is a devoted child or children uh, and um, not that everyone is so blessed to have uh, uh, that for themselves uh, but but the, the key is is that you are able to pick the person that you want, uh, which might be different than what who, who uh, someone else might pick for you. And if you don't pick your own and and you get in trouble, then a judge is gonna pick who that person is. And 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 when you get into that situation, it becomes uh, expensive. Uh, and oftentimes you might not like the result. Um, so that's an important thing. But staying at home is an important concept because that's where m- most of us want to be because we feel independent and in control uh, when we're at home. And so uh, what, what are some of the dynamics uh, that you might consider uh, in staying at home? And and of course, uh, the the opposite of that is okay. We're getting older. Uh, we've lost our spouse. We're alone at home, um, and um, um, we we might need a little bit of help, but we still can m- make do, if you will. And one of our children says, "Mom or Dad." Why don't you move to where we are and live with us or live near us? And uh, that's uh, or that, that the house is just way too big for you. Why why don't you think about downsizing so you don't have so much to keep up? So those are a lot of the dynamics that are going on. So let's let me at least start with some of those and in, in terms of how to think about 
what's important to you and how it works. And so the first thing is, do you like where you live? Do you love your neighbors? Do you, I mean, do you have good neighbors who look in on you? Do you uh, enjoy your community? Do you enjoy uh, your church? Have you lived there for 50 or 60 years? And all of your friends and, um, uh, and your support groups, if you will, are there. Now, we're not talking about your children necessarily. We're, we're talking about the fact that you have um, your uh, church uh, is in the neighborhood uh, or in town. You have people that, that come to see you. Uh, you have, um, you, you know, you might have um, a bridge club or a garden club or a book club or something that you've participated in for many years and you have your now, obviously, an, another part of that as we get much older, oftentimes we lose our friends, and and sometimes we lose all of our friends, and, and then we're stuck being alone in a community where all of our friends have, have predeceased us. And so, you know, there's you have those dynamics going on, too, for some folks. But um, so the first question is, should we stay in our neighborhood and downsize? And truthfully, from if we're if we're staying in the same neighborhood or same in the same town, but downsizing just to get a, a smaller place, I, I would say for most folks that's not a great idea, because most folks don't realize how expensive it is to move. I mean, we're we're if you're downsizing, then number one, you've you've got to pay. You know, you got to have to get your house ready to sell, which generally means you have to spend some money to do it, uh, and uh, then you have to pay the fees, the realtor fees, the legal fees, uh, to um, in essence consummate the sale, do it right. And then you have to buy another place uh, to do it. And uh, there, that has a lot of uh, costs with it. And say, uh, um, uh, well, here's uh, the other thing. Oftentimes, if you buy smaller, that means your old furniture is not going to fit. So you have to go out and buy new drapes and new, um, uh, you know, new decorations, new furniture. And it can get really expensive. I, I would say that most folks can't um, relocate even in the same town, that it doesn't cost them twenty or $30,000 just to do it. And what do you get for that? You still have a place to clean. Uh, you might not have a yard to keep up. You might have, you know, you might buy a condominium or something, but you're paying an association fee for somebody else to do that when you buy a condo. So frankly, um, more often than not, staying put and just paying somebody to clean the house and, and uh, cut the grass and, and do those kinds of things, yes, it gets expensive, but it's a whole lot less expensive than paying twenty or $30,000 to move. So from my perspective, um, staying put, if you're going to stay in the same town, same neighborhood, it, it generally – is a better idea uh, just to stay where where you're at. Now, typically taxes are not an issue. If you're a married couple selling your primary residence, you have a $500,000 
income tax exemption. So there's no tax if the sale is less than 500 or your um, or your uh, profit, if you will, is less than $500,000. And if you're single, you have a $250,000 exemption, works the same way. So there are very few folks that have any income tax to pay when they sell, but that doesn't mean there are not lots of other expenses to pay for. Um, and so, and of course, uh, the, the other thing too, uh, as far as tax goes, is if your children inherit your house, um, uh, or farm or whatever, your primary, uh, they take it with a, a stepped-up income tax basis. So they can sell at your death when they inherit it. They can sell your property and split the money with no income tax at all in most cases because um, uh, they're ba- you know even though you might have owned the place for 50 years and there was a lot of capital gains, that capital gains goes away when it's inherited. Um, and they call that a step up in income tax basis. So uh, that's a consideration. Now, uh, and most people who are married and, uh, you know, a married couple, even if they both have limitations, they find a way to take care of each other, and that's really what you want to see. But what about where your daughter or your son says, come live with us? And oftentimes the children aren't thinking about the fact that if you move away from your community, you're losing all of that connectivity. You're losing your support group. And and the children don't think about it either. They're just thinking, well, it'd be better for mom to or dad to be here where uh, we're there. But it, it oftentimes can create loneliness because then your child who's brought you into their home that, that's your entire support group. You've moved 100 miles away. You don't know anybody. You don't have uh, – uh, uh, your pastor can't come visit you, you know, those kinds of things. So it can, it can make a big difference in terms – that's a, a huge consideration when a child uh, wants you to move away from your home to be close to them. Uh, and, of course, it also has expenses. Uh, now, if you're – uh, selling your house in order to create resources for yourself to move into an independent living or you be- because you need assisted living or something along those lines, that's a different matter altogether. Uh, but typically, particularly in independent living, you're going into a community where uh, you have companionship and you have activities and you have so it really is uh, great for folks who like to be around other folks and uh, want less work to do because, in other words, then you don't have to worry about preparing all your meals and cleaning the house and uh, getting the yard cut and all that good stuff. So there are just a, a lot of, uh, uh, of uh, considerations that a lot of folks just don't uh, think about the dynamics of it. Um, and, of course, there are some advantages to moving into senior uh, living-type uh, places. And I'm talking about, like, senior condos, you know, 55 and up kind of thing. Uh, that is if you're young enough to enjoy it. But should you do that when you're in your late 70s or early 80s? I'd say absolutely not. But if you're in your late 50s or early 60s where you have – you know, 15 or 20 years to where you can enjoy that kind of lifestyle, then, and particularly if you're still married and those kinds of things, then that kind of move 
can be wonderful, but you have to do it. You know, the timing is what really makes a difference as to whether a particular community like that uh, is really a good idea or not a great idea. (laughs) There's a lot of factors that go into these decisions. And you mentioned a pile of them, Bill, that uh, I think most people would kind of gloss over or wouldn't really realize until they've made the move. So uh, I'm glad you laid those out. We got to take a quick break, but we'll be back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. If you want to find more about Bill, head over to WGALaw.com. That's Bill's website. There you can find plenty of information. You can find uh, a link to next month's seminar. You can find all the services that Bill provides. You can listen to his Asset Protection Today podcast. There's plenty of stuff that you can do. WGALaw.com. Bill, I've got here on the rundown that you want to talk about the census. Well, that's right. It's coming up. Uh, Every 10 years, the federal government is required to take a census. And um, in other words, to count the people who live here. And that census is extremely important for folks to be counted. And it it doesn't matter whether you're Republican, Democrat, doesn't matter what color you are, doesn't matter how old you are, uh, it doesn't matter whether you live in the city or rural, it doesn't, you know, the bottom line is it is extremely important for every person to be counted. Uh, and it's really, it, it, it uh, people... Uh, the census uh, will begin early next year. Uh, I think the primary time period is in March of 2020. And um, what a lot of folks don't realize is that your community and your state it gets funded based on the count. So if we're undercounted, which uh, truthfully I believe happened in North Carolina last time, if we're undercounted, then we don't get as much money sent to our local community or to our state from the federal government. There are, are over 300 federal programs uh, where the money it, that comes back to North Carolina and into our local communities uh, uh, are based specifically on the census count. 300. That's a, a ton of federal money. Uh, there are over 55 federal programs that come back based on the census for seniors. So, yeah, it's important for those of us who are a little older to make sure we get counted. And, of course, uh, it's just as important uh, for younger folks to be uh, in the count as well. Uh, And, you know, typically um, my generation – and those who are older than me, we, we have a, a reputation, if you will, for being civic-minded and voting and, and getting out there and doing our part, which is a good thing, which uh, basically means it's, you know, we're more likely to be counted. But we have to make sure that we are. And 
Here's where the rub's going to be. The first part of the census is going to be online. Now, I know a lot of seniors that have no connectivity. They don't have an email address. They don't even have a smartphone, and they're proud of it. <laughs> so uh, now, if you don't have an online uh, address, if you will, in other words, if you don't use a computer, you don't have a smartphone, you, you don't have access to it, and you don't want access to it, You'll still, I mean, that doesn't mean that you won't get counted, but you need to make sure that you do because the first effort is going to be online. Uh, the government thinks it's going to save over $5 billion this year uh, by uh, doing their primary focus uh, to be counted online. Uh, but if you, if you don't respond online, then uh, you will receive uh, something in the mail. Uh, and if you receive something in the mail, it's really important that you fill it out and send it back. Uh, if you have – now, it's also important that you're not counted twice, uh, but that you include everybody in your household. Uh, and w now, how could you be counted twice? Well, if you have two homes, like let's say you have a mountain house or a beach house and you have an address there, well, you'll get census material at both addresses. But – so – it's important that you only fill it out once, but that you be fully counted. Now, there um, was a great deal of uh, concern and political turmoil over whether there would be a citizenship question. Are you a citizen of the United States? Well, uh, and, uh, and uh, whether you agreed with it or didn't agree with it, it doesn't matter. The Supreme Court of the United States said, no, you can't ask that question. So the, there will not be a citizenship question on the census. Uh, and it's important for folks to know that. A lot of folks don't realize that at this point. They're still a little worried about the fact, well, is there going to be? Because, you know, people have, you know, pushed back and forth as it relates to that. So it's important for everyone to know that there will not be a citizenship question on the census. Uh, and again, it's important uh, that everybody be counted. Now, for the political pundits out there, it's also important politically because it, it will determine how many uh, representatives in Congress that the state of North Carolina has. And North Carolina is, is one of those growing states, so if we are fully counted, it is highly likely that we will get an extra congressman uh, this, this time because, you know, many of the states are actually losing population. North Carolina is one that's gaining, so it's time for us to get an extra congressman. So a full count will help us with that. Uh, it also determines how many electoral college votes we get uh, politically. And while I'm not real fond of the electoral college, I, uh, you know, there are a lot of folks who think it's wonderful because it does skew elections uh, from the popular vote. And uh, I, from my own perspective, I, th I think it's past time. But it doesn't matter what I think. The Electoral College is going to be here to stay for many, many more years, no matter what people think. Uh, and that's okay. I mean, it works. Um, uh, it, and so uh, – but the bottom line is it basically means that if we're fully counted in North Carolina, 
we will have more electoral college votes uh, in the next uh, presidential election uh, from North Carolina. And that's a really important thing as well. Uh, no matter how it doesn't matter how you vote, it's important for us to be better represented uh, as it relates to those numbers. And it also makes a difference. And, you know, we have a lot of political turmoil over uh, gerrymandering and how congressional districts are laid out and how the state office districts are laid out. Um, and again, the census will determine uh, how uh, the decision makers, whether you agree with them or not, uh, can lay out those districts. Uh, you know, one man or woman and one vote. <laughs> so the bottom line is the census is, a, is so important to us. Um, that it's really important that folks get out there uh, and be counted. And so next March is going to be our opportunity. And so people need to be aware that it's coming and that they uh, need to be looking for that census form and to get it filled out fully and, and so that everybody is counted. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be plenty of PSAs and uh, information going on as the census is going on so that folks can do their part and fill out the form. Well, absolutely. And, of course, uh, some folks uh, in the more rural areas, eastern North Carolina for sure, uh, sometimes folks like that think, oh, is it really important? And, again, you know, all of this federal emergency management funding and stuff like that, oftentimes how much you get can be determined by how many people. So it's important for folks in the rural areas to stand up and say, yes, count me. Uh, I think the undercount tends to happen more in the larger urban areas, um, and and so that's where I think uh, they need to make sure they get counted too, um, because it'll make a huge difference uh, as to how how money is handed out. And you know, one of the things that I hate is when North Carolina sends its money to Washington and less money comes back to North Carolina. And one way that we can uh, uh, make sure that uh, adequate money comes back to North Carolina is by everybody being counted. It's a benefit that requires very little effort on our parts. Well, we got to take a quick break. We'll be back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. I'm Jason Kong. He is Bill Alexander. And we both thank you for joining us this morning. And Bill, this has been a fun show. We're kind of uh, all over the place here. We're talking about a number of topics. And this is one that we're going to kind of revisit a little bit. And it's it's always fascinating to me uh, in a good and bad way. But we're going to talk about scams and how to protect yourself and your parents from scams. Well, uh, you know, the truth is all of us uh, get annoyed by robocalls and, and things, but the fact is is that scams are becoming more and more sophisticated. And the, the, um, uh, there was just a study from Fraud Watch uh, not uh, too long ago that determined that 9% 
of the Pennsylvania adults who were polled by this uh, fraud watch network had actually been scammed by a robocall. Uh, that's pretty scary. Nine percent is an awful lot of folks when you think about just these arbitrary robocalls that come in and, and how sophisticated they are. And, you know, I, th- I think I get one almost every day. It just blows my mind. And they can, they can sound convincing and they can sound like a, a good deal or a scary thing that you need to take care of. And so, um, and truthfully, who are the folks who are more likely to be scammed than you, Jason, who are, you're a young man who uh, is extremely bright, you know, college educated and, you know, all of that good stuff. But truth is you can be scammed too. Oh yeah. And I can too. Uh, and, uh, all of us are in the crosshairs of scammers, no question about it, but seniors, I mean, the, the statistics on seniors who are scammed is just staggering, but, and who are the most likely? Well, folks who are, um, single and staying at home by themselves, trying to stay independent and, uh, and truthfully, uh, when folks get into their late 70s and early 80s, almost 10% of those seniors at home have at least some dementia. They're slightly demented. They're still able to stay independent. They're still able to manage things, but they're a little more confused. Uh, and, and you see... There's also a connection between uh, that's very real that most of us, when we get into our late 70s and early 80s, um, our, our brains slow down naturally. It's natural aging. It's not dementia. <laughs> that's a good thing. Okay. And so, uh, but uh, it can be dementia, which makes it even more confusing. And see, the other thing about getting older, I mean, I, Truthfully, I can legitimately say that as we get older, we don't work as well. I mean, our bodies don't work as well. We don't see as well. We don't hear as well. Uh, we don't process as well. Now, uh, you know, now there are lots of exceptions. You know, I, I spoke last week of a 100-year-old client that just delighted me because she was l- more lucid than me. I just thought she was fantastic. And, and so it's wonderful to see the exceptions to the rule. But the general rule is the fact that, yes, we age. Yes, we're going to go downhill to some degree. And we have to be more careful, more diligent as we age. Um, And see, the other thing, too, that happens to us is that once we retire, we're on a fixed income. Uh, You know, a lot of folks are just living off Social Security, uh, but fixed income. And guess what? most people wish they had more money. They wish they had more income and they had more nest egg to enjoy in their old age. And guess what scammers do? They play on that. You know, this is something wonderful that's happened and you're going to receive all this money and how wonderful it's going to be and it's going to lift your lifestyle up. And guess what? Then you lose your money and you're even worse off than you were before. Uh, that's what scammers do. That's what they're in the business to do, to take your money away from you. So um, uh, now, 
what uh, knowledge is one of the biggest things that can help folks. But how many of us go out and read about scams and what the scammers are actually doing? Very few of us. So we need to educate ourselves. Where do we get that education? Well, fortunately for us, our attorney general uh, is trying to protect us from scams. And the North Carolina attorney general has a website with a consumer protection link. And under that website, under consumer protection, their website is full of all of the major scams, that all of them that they know about, they have a description of each of those scams. So you can read about the top 50 scams going on in North Carolina right now on the Attorney General's website. So, you know, knowledge is power. And if you know what these horrible people are doing, these criminals are doing and how they're doing it, that's one of the, you know, one of the, you know, I just mentioned how important the census is. Well, one reason that some people don't like the census is because people uh, can, if you don't fill out your paperwork, there might be somebody that comes to knock on your door. That's what they're supposed to do. If you've gotten your own line and, and then you didn't and you don't have a computer and then you, they sent you the mail and you threw it away because you didn't know what it was or you 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 were you know didn't want to respond to it, well they're supposed to send somebody to knock on your door. Well, you know there will be some scammers among those and and so obviously if there's if they start asking you what your social security number is or a credit card number or you need to pay for it then it's a scam. I mean, because that's not what these census takers do. And they, they're they supposed to have identification and a badge to be able to show you if they show up at your door uh, asking questions. And so you just have to be sensitive. And, you know, one of the major things is never give out your Social Security number over the telephone to somebody who calls you uh, unless you know them. Uh, even if they say they're from the IRS or from your bank or whatever, you don't give out your Social Security number. That's a very sensitive piece of information that the scammers always want to get uh, if they can. Or a credit card number. I mean, gee whiz. I mean, that's something that you have to be really careful about. So let's say, how do we protect ourselves well, obviously, I've mentioned some of these things uh, for sure, uh, but um, you can, one of the most important – there's two things that are more important than any other thing, uh, and you can do this as a young person or as, or as a senior, and that is to freeze your credit uh, through the three credit bureaus, just to freeze it so that it's basically and that means that nobody can establish credit in your name, including yourself, while it's frozen. But the good news is you can unlock your credit at those times when you're applying for a loan or a credit card or, or the like, uh, and then refreeze your credit so that unless you are specifically applying for credit, no one else can establish credit in your name. That is one of the most important things. Now, the, the next most important thing is to, to if you have a trusted person, 
uh, such, I mean, and I'm talking about uh, folks who are trying to uh, live alone, live independently, but if you have a trusted child, to give your child access to your accounts uh, so that they get duplicate statements or so that they can go online to check your accounts each month to make sure that there's uh, no nefarious uh, charges uh, coming out of, of your account. Uh, and, and truthfully, you can give a child access or duplicate statements of your accounts uh, without giving them the authority to spend your money. In other words, they don't have to be your agent under a power of attorney in order to uh, have uh, – so that uh, you can uh, basically tell the bank or the uh, uh, brokerage house or or, uh, wherever you're getting your account from, the insurance company, that you have a trusted person that you need a duplicate statement sent to. And uh, now you can also make them your agent under a power of attorney, uh, but they don't have to be an agent in order to be able to review your records each month. And so those are two of the most important uh, things that you can do. Um, And to the degree that the parents are using technology, uh, most of us seniors – you know, we we go. Uh, I don't have a grandchild, but most of my clients go to their grandchildren for help with their technology, because young people just seem they grow up with it, they understand it, and it and it's sort of like okay. Well, one of the things that's really important is that you use the latest technology, that you have the best uh, uh, software available, and that you have virus, you know, the latest virus protection. Uh, you know, even in my law office, we had to upgrade all of our computers to the latest edition computers. It was not cheap to do it, but we had to do it because um, of the, the the technology gains. And it was far more protective to have the latest technology than to have older technology that still worked perfectly fine. But in order to protect ourselves and our clients, we had to upgrade all of our computers and establish uh, other protective uh, measures in our office. Another thing that's really important is that you, if you have uh, Wi-Fi, which is important technology, that you have a very secure password on your Wi-Fi network. In other words, a really hard password to, to get to. And this is one that you have to write it down uh, in your home so you know where it is because you want to make it so hard that you can't remember it. <laughs> you know, but, but the bottom line is you don't want a password on your Wi-Fi uh, that folks can guess or can use uh, technology to figure out what your password is. It, it needs to be one that's extremely strong. Um, and, of course, password protection is another area, not just on your Wi-Fi, but on... Uh, everything that you do. If it's technology-wise, you need that. And then on your telephone, that's the other place where it's really important. Uh, You you know, if on your smartphones, uh, you know, you can be on the do not call list. That really doesn't protect you from uh, scammers. Uh, But you also have apps that you can use on your smartphone. Uh, Nomo Robo is one. In other words, it's 
it's an app that eliminates robocalls. And, and of course, we're all getting robocalls, and they're just a pain in the bazoozies. But, you know, it's, it's the um, uh, you can put some protections. And, of course, one of the biggest ones, again, in terms of helping your, your aging parents is to make sure they have voicemail and make sure that they know if they don't know who the caller is to let the you know let it go to voicemail don't answer calls where you don't know um uh, who the caller is you know because you know you can have caller id it doesn't matter anymore you know most of the robot calls i get actually show the three digits of my local telephone and it's like, oh, somebody locally is calling. No, it's not. It's a robocall. <laughs> so, uh, because there's so much they can use with technology now. Uh, and, of course, websites are another thing, you know, for seniors because there are a lot of scam websites. So you really have to look at the address to make sure it's not a funky address uh, if you're going online because there's a lot of scam websites out there as well. And so – Knowledge is power, and so helping yourself, helping your parents uh, with these kinds of things. And as a, as a one who is a senior, I can say, yes, we need assistance with these technology issues. Uh, don't assume we know this. Just because we have experience and gray hair, it's more likely that we don't know about these technology things uh, and our children and grandchildren should be there to help us with it. <laughs> That's their role in all this. Well, those are some great tips, Bill. Again, uh, some suggestions, freeze your credit, get a second set of eyes on things. And also, uh, if it sounds too good to be true, it, it probably is. So, uh, again, send, send those robocalls to voicemail. If you don't recognize the number, just don't answer and you know check the voicemail after. And if it's someone you do need to call back, call them back. But if it's a threatening or uh, teasing type of voicemail, then it's probably not worth your time. A quick break and back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and uh, boy, man, we've uh, we've run through a, a, a litany of topics, Bill, and we're going to continue that because you want to take the show in another direction. Well, I've never talked about this before, but I think it's an interesting one, uh, and of course, uh, for my generation, it's not that big a deal. Uh, but it, it is still a, a big issue legally around the country and the state, and that is marijuana. Um, it, you know, marijuana is uh, – uh, now, North Carolina is actually one of the states where CBD is okay. You know, the hemp and the byproducts uh, there um, – is legal in North Carolina, and and that is is sort of a precursor to uh, medical marijuana uh, being legal. Uh, but it's interesting to know where are we in the country as it relates. Now, I have to say, 
for my generation, and of course, as you know, I'm 67 years old. Uh, in my generation, marijuana is really not that big a deal. We we grew up with marijuana being totally illegal everywhere in the country. Um, But we also grew up where many of our friends were smoking pot. (laughs) So good or bad, you know, we, you know, the fact is I'll never forget a graduation party that I went to and I showed up with a bottle. I mean, I showed up with a bottle of liquor, you know, for whatever reason. Now, this is a graduation party. This was time to be fun. And I, I mean, I was, yeah, I was naive and I was, um, uh, but, um, and a, the bottom line is almost everybody at the party was smoking pot. And I was just going, whoa. Uh, and I had no idea any of these people did that. <laughs> yeah, no, but I'm just saying this is a generational kind of thing because the baby boomer generation, which I am very much a part of, we grew up where marijuana was illegal, but most of us uh, at least – uh, did, whether our friends did it or not, it was not something that concerned us. And, and so where is it? I mean, and around the country, obviously, baby boomers and those younger have have been a part of changing laws. And, uh, you know, even though it's still illegal federally, and, and obviously the federal government is way behind in some uh, sense as of this, but uh, marijuana is actually legal not only for medicinal use, but for recreational use in many states. I, I think uh, it's le- I may be wrong on my count, but it's about, I think twelve states. It's actually legal for both, and of course, the fact is is the states where they have legalized it for recreation as well as um, medicinal use is they're making a lot of money in terms of tax revenues uh, as it relates, which other states are not. Uh, You know, the western United States, pretty much all of those states over there, uh, Washington, Oregon, California, Alaska, uh, Nevada, uh, Colorado, all of those states, uh, marijuana is legal uh, for recreational use um, uh, in the state. Uh, now, again, federal government really doesn't know what to do with it, but it, it is. And it's being regulated and those kinds of things. Now, what's uh, really surprising for a lot of folks is that uh, at least half of the states, uh, and my count it may be more than half of the states, have uh, medicinal use or legal. So that's pretty amazing. And then there's only a few states. uh, The rest of the states pretty much have CBD uh, as legal use, the hemp uh, use at this point. There's, I think, only four states that don't have any uh, legality for hemp or the rest. And so it's pretty amazing when you think about that. But, uh, you know, and I'm not really saying pros, cons. I will say that there's there's no evidence that CBD helps medicinally. Uh, the AARP basically is, is, is supports medicinal use of marijuana where it is legal, uh, which might surprise some folks. Uh, and 
So it's it's uh, important for folks to know what's occurring around the country, and I th- I just wanted to because uh, it surprised me to to see those those numbers. And, and I truthfully I know clients who where have gotten a lot of help with medicinal use marijuana. Uh, so I I'm a believer in the fact that it does help in that respect. Yeah, it does seem to be a, a trend that is moving in that direction. And man, I see those CBD oil. Uh, signs everywhere. It seems like every shopping center has at least one place that's that's selling that. So it'll be interesting to see where things go. We got to take a quick break, but we'll be back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. I want to remind you before we head out that you can find more information about Bill at WGALaw.com. That's Bill's website, WGALaw.com. Find out information about the October seminar. You can listen to Bill's podcast, the Asset Protection Today podcast, and view uh, all lots of information about his team and the services that they provide. If you want to schedule an appointment with Bill, you can also call 919 919- Two five six seven thousand nine one nine two five six seven thousand. We're out of time for today, but we'll hope you'll join us again next Saturday at eleven for Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio six eighty WPTF. Have a wonderful weekend.